Did you happen to miss one of our live shows? KRBN Internet News Talk Radio is available on Player.fm, iTunes, and others. Just search for KRBN Internet News Talk Radio, and please be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's No Show Christmas Special with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Christmas especially will be, but welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show. We're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, and I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, at least until the end of next year and the first meeting of the board uh, in January 2023. I will be the West Lane County Commissioner. After that, it'll be freedom, retirement, I mean, <laughs> but besides that, uh, we got a lot to talk about because I generally try and do this last radio show of the year as a as a retrospective of, of everything that happened uh, in Lane County over the last year. And I start trying to put that together. And I got through May <laughs> writing my notes. So we may not get a real good retrospective on the last half of the year, but we're going to at least cover the first half of 2020. And we might have to do some more next week. Um, but we'll see. Uh, but we we got so much to cover with that. You know, there's a few things going on in the world too. You know, COVID's still the big news in in the world. You know, and and it's kind of funny because going back and doing this retrospective, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of of perspective on what's going on today because it reminds you of what we were, where we were then, and. January of 2021, just getting the vaccines. They were just, you know, been through their emergency approval, whatever it is, and all that stuff. And they were just starting to go out. And there were all these concerns about how are they going to be shipped because one of them had to be on like liquid nitrogen or something like that. You know, how to keep them cold, how they're going to get distributed, who's going to get the shots, et cetera. Um, yeah, that was all. January, you know, just less than a year ago. And now we're talking about third doses and toddlers and, you know, all this stuff. Meanwhile, the new Omicron variant seems to ignore whether you've been vaccinated or not, but it also doesn't seem to be putting people in the hospital or killing them as much as the prior variants. Um, so, geez, what a difference a year makes. And going through that, it was just the, the rise and fall of COVID restrictions, metrics changing, goalposts moving, and everything that I that just looking at the first half of the year is enough to make you crazy about how unscientific some of this stuff was. So, you know, it just blows your mind sometimes. If you, when you go back and look at it, you go, geez. I can't believe some of the stuff we were trying to do. How, you know, undata driven some of it was, how politically driven some of it was. I mean, the vaccines rolled out last January and our governor put teachers ahead of people over 65. But every piece of data at the time showed that the mortality rate for people over 65 was our greatest risk with COVID. And if, and if the vaccines were going to at least decrease the severity of disease and, all, and to save the most lives, that's who you would vaccinate first. But you know something? The Oregon Education Association gave a hell of a lot of money to our, our governor when she ran for re-election. Uh, last time, and and you know, I think that was a payback. Putting thirty-year-old teachers ahead of eighty-year-old and nine, you know, even ninety-something-year-old World War II veterans uh, in line for vaccines—it uh, just made no sense at all. It had nothing to do with the, being public health-oriented, and had nothing, you know, and and 
the cover later for it was, oh, well, we were trying to get schools reopened. Well, we saw how that worked out in Oregon. You know, a couple of months later, they were threatening to rent, uh, arrest parents who tried to watch football games through the fencing of a football field. While at the same time, the same restrictions were going to allow outdoor weddings of 75 people. Science. That's what's, you know, when you go back and, and look at a year, sometimes it's just, it can make your head shake. Sometimes it's, it's, it's crazy making and all that stuff. Because it's amazing how time provides perspective. But going back a year, you know, we started the year with, you know, all the normal stuff on, on our January 5th board meeting. We elected a new chair and vice chair and all that stuff. And then January 6th came about and turned everything upside down in the news cycle. And, you know, started a, a series of events and everything else that is still ongoing today in, in congressional hearings and criminal investigations, et cetera. But that, that protest and riot, um, you know, I spoke heavily about how I don't believe in initiating violence. Uh, when I came back on the, on the air a week later um, and just wished that I could hear as much condemnation of the Portland riots and other um, initiation of force for political reasons in the world from folks as they did with the January 6th event. But, uh, you know, really, um, politics should never justify using force. In fact, basically, nothing really justifies using force. And one of my basic philosophies in life is the non-initiation of force. And we spent a bit of time on the Bose Nose Show talking about that and how that leads to freedom and liberty uh, and personal responsibility. You know, it, that's really uh, all that works together. So, you know, at the same time, you know, right before the madness started, we had an early budget meeting um, with, where we saw budget projections that really weren't looking so good for the Lane County budget. And it was based on the fact that um, all of our revenue projections were down, even our property taxes were not going to grow um, very much because a lot of commercial properties um, had actually fallen in value where some of the residential ones were continuing to at least be uh, in excess of the 3% cap on their tax taxable assessed value. Um, but it was still COVID dominating the news in those times. You know, and the, Governor rolled out the vaccine for teachers before the elderly, while at the same time putting forth closures of gyms and restaurants while leaving pot shops and liquor stores open. And at the time, it seemed to be that if there was a revenue stream for the state of Oregon involved, you were allowed to stay open. But if you didn't, if you weren't a big tax revenue stream for the state of Oregon, you closed. So if you were a liquor store or pot shop and provided a lot of revenue to the state of Oregon, you could stay open. Critical services during a, a, a pandemic. But actually staying healthy, which by the way, you know, in retrospective, all the data shows body mass index, key indicator to severity of COVID, you know, higher the body mass index, the higher chance you have of having a severe case of COVID. So we closed gyms, <laughs> but we kept pot shots open. 
that kind of make people inactive and hungry. Hmm. Not a lot of public health thought and science in that, that decision was there. Um, meanwhile, we saw data, and I stressed some data, that U of O was actually driving Lane County's case count. And at the same time, uh, the city of Springfield got a new mayor. My good friend, Sean Van Gordon, was appointed mayor by the city council and congratulated him. It's a good thing for them. And um, Eugene started talking about banning natural gas in any new construction and, and any new buildings and any new developments uh, in the city of Eugene, which you know brought about further discussions the next month. But the month ended, Board of Commissioners having a meeting about redistricting. And I just want to note that because that theme is going to come up several times as we talk about the year in review, because at the end of the year, it makes a big difference. <laughs> the board seem to know things and be talking about them all along. And then suddenly we're surprised by a deadline. Uh, but we'll get more on that later. <laughs> So February came about, and it seemed like the state just couldn't get their vaccine distribution right. At one point, they notified us on like a Thursday night at midnight of what our distribution was going to be for the week coming week, and we're supposed to be planning our clinics around that. Then it, you know, it came to light later on that they were heavily um, distributing vaccine more to the Portland Metro and Salem areas. Hmm, where do most of the legislatures live? Um, rather than other counties, and we were kind of by per capita count being shorted, so they had to, to fix that. And, you know, we were still seeing a lot of risk metrics skewed completely by the University of Oregon. I mean, you could just, it was, the data would clearly show that there was one zip code in Lane County that was driving us being in the high-risk metric. Um, and then, you know, we, yeah, that was also when the legislature started meeting and they started meeting with no public access because of COVID. So you couldn't lobby your legislator. You couldn't attend public hearings in person. You couldn't give testimony in person made for a very strange legislative session. And at the meantime, we also realized Oregon was planning on taxing those stimulus checks that folks got in December <laughs> and all that to try and, you know, re get the economy going again. One of the only states in the nation that was going to tax the stimulus checks. February also brought about the passing of Rush Limbaugh. But it also, you know, with the legislature meeting, it also brought about Senate Bill 554 and, and, and another big gun control proposal from Senator Floyd Prozonsky and his cohorts. And uh, also brought about a whole bunch of proposals to tax the timber industry, which we'll get into more. And it also brought on a lot of soft on crime sort of bills where they wanted to reduce sentences and bail and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then at the same time, a bunch of bills that were going to restrict law enforcement. <laughs> Folks started wondering why there was a national article written about the death of Portland <laughs> with this all going on in the background. <laughs> you know, remember the 100 straight days of protests? Um, yeah. So moving on, you know, we get kind of past February and into March. And you know, March was the, the one-year anniversary of COVID in Lane County. We had our first confirmed positive case of COVID in March of 2020. So here we are one year later. And you know, that's when the parents were being threatened with arrest for watching football. And we were starting to ease up on our COVID restrictions through that month um, so that they were going to allow outdoor weddings while threatening to arrest parents 
for watching football games. Uh, so uh, in the meantime, um, our legislature is still meeting. They're doing things like proposing measures that would restrict the initiative process and also proposing bills that would let 16-year-olds vote. Meanwhile, same time, there were bills that basically retroactively um, changed the sentencing structure for folks that committed crimes as minors because their brains haven't developed yet. Is there a cognitive disconnect in the legislature or what? They want to let 16-year-olds vote, but they won't want to hold them responsible for murder and rape? Uh, but I digress. <laughs> and, and, you know, at the same time, you know, there, there was a bill that was going to take tear gas from the cops, you know, and ban them using tear gas. The same cops that were being attacked with commercial-grade fireworks, Molotov cocktails, frozen water bottles, um, and, you know, all sorts of, you know, slingshots with ball, steel ball bearings, uh, laser lights being shined in eyes. But now we can't use tear gas. <laughs> we want to leave the cops with the do-nothing or deadly force options in dealing with that. Nothing in the middle legislature um but you know about part way in the month we dropped down to the moderate risk level in lane county by the end of the month we dropped into low risk and i and i had to give some kudos to the uvo because they really clamped down on their student body and got their case counts under control it's the only reason we dropped down into those risk levels um you know the anarchist it called off a potent, you know, a planned riot. I mean, literally, they publicized they were going to meet in a park and then march into the city and just do property destruction because the EPD actually showed up and and kept an eye on them. You think maybe if you actually put it out publicly that that was your aim? But that fortunately, I have to congratulate EPD for actually, you know, Having the, the 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 presence there to to put a clamp on that one, so we don't become Portland. And uh, you know, the month ended with the board finally having a discussion about waiving permit fees for fire victims. Now, mind you, the fire was Labor Day, September seventh of 2020 that was march 31st we had that discussion we started hearing the phrase build back better from congress we had heard that before though it's kind of funny but the progressives like to use that term i heard it before here in lane county and it was progressive commissioner east lane commissioner heather buck that used it when preparing to vote yes on a new floodplain ordinance would create additional restrictions on building needed housing here in Lane County and and additional restrictions for fire victims. And her justification was we were going to have people build back better. And at the time, I said that phrase basically means not build back better, but build back the way we tell you to. And we're starting to hear that phrase in connection with some bills in Congress that were going to help us build back better after COVID. Um, and basically, everyone should be afraid when they hear that phrase, because it basically means we're from the government and we're here to help you and you're going to do it the way we tell you to, or you're not going to do it at all. Speaking of legislature, I, I can't not talk about March without mentioning the fact that during March, Representative Marty Wildey from right here in Eugene and Lane County proposed a bill that would ban processed meat from being served in prisons and hospitals and nursing homes if they received any sort of state or you know funding at all. And basically 
this would take the bacon away from some World War II vet great grandpa in his nursing home. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, we have time for that in our legislature during a COVID pandemic and everything else going on. We're going to take grandpa's bacon away. I know my father-in-law that was still alive at that time really looked forward to the days of the week when his nursing home served bacon. <laughs> they were highlights of his week. But Marty Wilde, he was going to take Grandpa's bacon away. And at the very end of the month, Dairy Mart announced it was closing one of its stores in Eugene because of <sighs> the new Eugene payroll tax and other taxes like the corporate activities tax. Government killing jobs again. Every time somebody talks about government investing money and creating jobs, I keep having to remind them they took that money out of the economy in the first place, which prevented jobs from being created. But moving onward, we get past March and we're into April as I'm going through my notes here, COVID cases started to increase again. We, you know, we'd gotten down to low risk and they had let things some open up and now they're starting to go back up. But at the same time, our vaccination pro programs really kicked into high gear. We're having the mass vax clinics at, at the Lane County Fairgrounds. You know, it was pretty amazing effort. In fact, we were having a higher per capita vaccination rate than Marion County and, and Multnomah County and Washington County for a little while there. We're, our public health guys were doing such a great job. Um, but, you know, once again, we get some of this crazy COVID stuff that starts happening uh, later on in the month as, as things start to ramp up with the governor going into some more restrictions and gets gets even crazier in May, but um, so COVID continues to dominate, you know, things going on in April, but the board had a work session on housing, the housing crisis um, and how to try and resolve the housing crisis and not a single solution on their matrix, private sector oriented. All of it was about government doing something and 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 for the most part, it was about government building, quote, affordable housing. And you cannot solve the housing problem with government. At the end of World War II, we faced a housing crisis here in America as a whole bunch of new households were being formed. And there was a huge demand for housing. But it was the private sector subdividing and building you know, Levittown and other, you know, big subdivisions that started to spread across the eastern U.S. and, and around L.A. and everywhere else um, that resolved that housing crisis, private housing. But everything we were looking at was a public sector solution to something that, that really needs a private sector solution. Not one thing was about how we could make the private sector produce more housing, how we could free the power of the private sector's ability to produce housing. We know they can do it. We did it post-World War II. So we talked more about redistricting April, and one of the things I want to note is specifically in that meeting, staff reviewed a timeline and some of the deadlines revolving around redistricting in April. Now, mind you, in December, the board was surprised to learn we missed a deadline. And some of our board, I think, is trying to blame staff over that. And I've talked about that the only people to blame for this is the board leadership and the majority in charge of that redistricting. The board finally in April 
seven months to the date passes permit fee waivers and not an unrestricted set of permit fee waivers, a selected set of permit fee waivers for fire victims. And at the same time, added some new positions to our permit staff to try and help process those seven months after the fires. Now, mind you, adding the positions also means they have to go through the hiring process, training, and everything else. So those aren't going to have impact for several months on. Kind of why we started the year with 170 people in hotels that are fire victims, and we still have more than 100 people in hotels that are fire victims at the end of the year. You know, they're pushing timber taxes in the in the legislatures, and a study came out that basically showed that the timber industry in Oregon pays a 50% higher tax burden than other the average of all other industries in Oregon because of all the various places they pay fees and taxes. But despite that data, we had people like Representative Paul Hovey pushing to add new taxes to the private timber sector. Meanwhile, this is, you know, we're holding meetings about housing and affordable housing, all that stuff, and they're trying to tax the industry that is the main component to building housing. Another disconnect, maybe? <sighs> At the same time, a study came out that showed Oregon is the fourth worst state to retire in in the country. Why? Housing costs was the number one reason we ranked so poorly. Taxes and a bunch of other stuff puts us down there too, but housing costs, fourth worst state to retire in. But we're going to tax that timber. We're going to pass new floodplain ordinances because we're going to let you build back better. But, you know, our board wasn't done virtue signaling. We went forward and against my no vote, passed a declaration declaring racism a public health crisis. So now everyone can say, see, we're doing something about racism because we passed this declaration. Did it do anything? It didn't allocate any funds, didn't reassign any staff, didn't start a new program, it didn't change any regulations, laws, or code of Lane County. It just merely said, you know what, racism, racism bad. We think it's a health crisis. See? See how good we are? Look, we passed a declaration. Virtue signaling. So we ended the month in high risk in April. And of course, still using all the wrong metrics and closing the wrong businesses. Because when they put us back in high risk, guess what they closed down? Gymnasiums and restaurants. Guess what hadn't been tied to any outbreaks in Lane County or or any really in Oregon? Gymnasiums and restaurants at that time. You know what had been? School-age kids to college-age kids had been driving a lot of the new cases. (sighs) Science. Let's follow the science, folks. So that gets us down to May as we get past the halfway point in the Bose Nose Show. And I forgot to remind folks, we are a call-in show. And I do like to uh, ask people to call in. If they want to talk about something 
it's not the year in review, and maybe they just might have a different place they want to take the show, 646-721-9887. Just press one so we know you want to talk. Again, 646-721-9887, and press one so that Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, knows you want to get in on the show. So we get into May, and the House of Representatives at the legislature passes a bill, HB 2289. And it's a bill that I quietly supported because one of the things, you know, because I'm a Republican, I don't want the leadership at the legislature to know I support something because they might actually, you know, <laughs> go against it just to, to because they hear I'm supporting it or I might, you know, but I, I worked through surrogates and everything else to help get that bill on the docket and have it do some of the things it did, which was basically waive a lot of the planning process that was holding up fire victims permits, but it passes the house on a 56 to four vote. And I noted that during our board meeting in our fire holiday farm fire update. And I just want to note that for you because it's going to become important a little bit later on as we start talking about June. You know, because the House passed that, and I've noted that in early May. After all the uproar about starting to close down restaurants and gyms that hadn't shown any real COVID outbreaks and putting things back into high risk, and a call from me to have people call the governor's office where we broke the phone system there, um, the governor reversed course on shutdowns all of a sudden. Didn't relate it to anything else, didn't say, you know, you know, gave some other reasons why, but I have a feeling it might have been some of the pressure she was getting. Um, but she kind of changed the course on shutdowns and uh, things moved around a little bit in May. Of course, May is when we start our budget meetings in Lane County. And uh, the initial budget proposal from our, our staff to the budget committee has no real help for rural patrol in it or public safety. Basically, it was a hold, serve, um, you know, status quo budget of the anemic patrol we have. Meanwhile, a Eugene City Councilor's home was vandalized in May with defund the police graffiti. <laughs> we can't fund our patrol in Lane County, but, you know, the Eugene you know, extremists want to defund, still want to defund the police last May. Um, and, you know, we found out later on at, at the end of the month, our board um, passed up an opportunity to support the initiative process and our democratic rights in the state by providing an extension to a couple of petitions that got caught by the COVID pandemic and wanted some extra time to try and gather the required signatures to get their initiatives on the Lane County ballot. And our progressive majority chose not to go there. I thought they were the ones that were supposed to be all pro-democracy and all that stuff. What, and you know, the, this was the legislature the same way. Progressively dominated legislature was trying to squash the initiative process. What is it about the initiative process they don't like? while at the same time still wanting 16-year-olds to vote, but not holding them responsible if they commit rape or murder. Okay. Um, so that kind of wraps up my May notes. Of course, at this point, I'm kind of going to have to wing some of my memory because I'm getting past my notes at this point and just kind of looking at some of the things we talked about on the Bose Nose Show a little bit and trying to remember, when we get into June, one of the things that happened was we hit the magic 65% of our adult population had had their first vaccine. And that was some artificial metric the governor set and waved her magic wand, and suddenly we could – stop wearing masks and, and do all and 
and and people could take a big sigh of relief and you know that was the start of kind of a brief respite from the covid pandemic last summer before dun 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 delta ah <laughs> uh, yes uh, the variants as we're dealing with omicron right now but you know we had a big conversation about homelessness in the month of June. And one of the questions I asked was our staff, which I still have not gotten an answer on. And eventually I was told we just aren't collecting good enough data to answer the question. And it would take some, some additional resources and study work is has the demographics of our homeless population changed from folks that became homeless that were Lane County residents, that was the predominant portion of our homeless population five years ago, five to seven years ago, to maybe now we're seeing a lot of out of state or out of area people that became homeless and then came to the state or came to the state without housing. but our staff still hasn't been able to answer that question for me. I asked that at the beginning of June. I also kind of asked the question about the programs we're providing and whether they are actually enabling people to stay homeless, making it easier, not that it's easy ever to be homeless, but easier by providing such things like food assistance and you know, warming centers and, and safe places to, to camp, you know, et cetera, um, and versus programs that would re-able these people rather than enable. Dealing with why are you homeless? You know, do you have a mental health issue that needs to be dealt with so you can become, you know, stable enough to be in housing? You know, not punching holes through walls or whatever else, <laughs> screaming in the middle of the night so that the other tenants in the building report you, those sort of things. Um, do you have an addiction issue? You know, is there, is there you know, a, a physical disability that has gotten you on the streets somehow or another? Dealing with those issues and, and getting people case managed and re-enabled and, and re-abled, I should say, and then and getting them moving on towards permanent housing and a permanent change in their life, rather than helping them just stay homeless. And I couldn't get good answers to the questions then, and I keep asking that question every time this comes up. And as we have spent tens of millions of dollars on this over the course of 2021, I am still not seeing in our contracts, any metrics and outcome measurements. Because what I'm seeing in a lot of programs when it comes to public safety and state level management of public safety funding, we're required to track metrics and to produce outcomes. The money we get from the state to run our parole and probation and, um, you know, our post-prison programs and all that stuff has requirements to track data and report data back and metrics that they measure, like recidivism. Where are the metrics and all the tens of, and, and, and it's less money than we're spending on homelessness, far less. Where's the requirements to track metrics and outcomes with all that homeless spending? <sighs> but I digress a little bit. So as we go through June, you know, we, we talk about homelessness. It's going to come up again. COVID and a few other things. But, um, you know, and, and in fact, in June, the city council came out with their proposal for a bunch of safe sleeping sites. And 
funny, but you know, almost all of them were in Northwest Eugene. <laughs> None of them were in South Eugene. None of them were south of West 11th of, of 11th Avenue. Period. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Um, and you know, the the governor finally signed that House Bill 2289. She waited a couple weeks to do it after the Senate approved it. Remember, I mentioned back in early May that I had mentioned it to the board that it was coming. And once the governor signed it, that bill had an emergency clause in it. So it was effective upon the governor's signature. So I asked, the day after the governor signed it, I asked our board to provide policy direction to our staff to take the most liberal interpretation of who qualifies under that bill. In other words, make it easy for people to qualify you know, as possible for the waivers in that bill you know, so they can skip that planning process and implement it immediately. And Heather Buck and the rest of the progressive board balked at doing that. And their reasoning why was, well, we don't really know everything that's in the bill. And, and we, you know, she just signed the bill. It's like, I, you knew that bill was coming. And in fact, Heather Buck talked about how she was lobbying for it and all that stuff. So she, and the bill's only a couple pages, just short bill. But they wanted the staff to report back. And as soon as staff could report back would be another four weeks. Now, mind you, this is after we waited seven months to give permit fee waivers to fire victims. And now we finally get a bill through that helps them with the planning process that's got most of them hung up here in Lane County. And mind you, at that time, I did some research and Lane County was far behind Marion County and Douglas County in permitting fire victims replacement housing. But we're going to wait another four weeks for staff to give us a report, and then they're going to implement it. So who knows how much longer that would take? Why I wanted to remind you, it was early May when I noted to the board that that bill was progressing through the legislature, and it passed on a 56 to 4 vote. Things rarely pass on that kind of vote in the legislature which generally means it's going to pass the Senate and it's going to pass the governor's desk. <sighs> but we just couldn't do that. We couldn't give direction right away. You know, I hadn't, you know, Lori Trigger even said, I haven't had time to read the bill. I don't understand it. I can't provide any direction. It's like, oh my gosh. What is one of the biggest news stories from 2020 in this state and in this county? And what has been a focus of the board where we've been getting, you know, first it was weekly and then biweekly and, and, and now it's monthly and, and quarterly reports on the fire recovery efforts. It's been a big focus. How could you not understand what was going on with that bill? But, you know, at the same time, you know, the vaccine rate was starting to taper. So Oregon wanted to have a vaccine lottery where, you know, whoever got vaccinated would get a, a, a prize. <laughs> but they wanted the county to put money into that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Yeah. Pretty interesting, and you know, and it really one of the things was because the federal system was doesn't communicate with the state system for tracking vaccination at that time. It meant that in order for veterans to be eligible for the lottery prize, they had to jump through a bunch of extra hoops to show tell the state that they were vaccinated and be entered into the vaccine lottery. <sighs> but that was June. <laughs> And of course, you know, 
we've already talked about safe sleeping and stuff. But, you know, June was a little sad for me because it was after my father-in-law passed away and I had to go back to Delaware for his funeral. And when I got back, our governor finally let us go maskless. And uh, we were getting into high fire danger at that time. And unfortunately, about that time, our board was starting to talk about how they were going to restrict fireworks. Something that was already restricted in most of Lane County by either the Oregon Department of Forestry, the U.S. Forest Service, there's a very small portion of Lane County outside of city limits where cities actually have the jurisdiction on controlling fireworks that isn't controlled by those two. During fire season, they're not legal. They just had to go and have their own regulation. Can you say virtue signal? But um, they they started moving ahead with that. And uh, happily, the board, the legislature adjourned in June, fi- at the end of June, finally. Um, so we at least got out of danger of any new bills, but they passed a bunch of stuff that was not good, including a, a Senate Bill 554 that basically makes just about everything you do with a gun illegal nowadays. Um, yeah, keeping it locked at all times. So that gets us on into July. And, uh, you know, we had a motorcycle ride in Junction City that uh, Robin got to participate in, gave a, uh, a report on. Um, you know, we had cyber attacks on infrastructure that were going on. It was an interesting month also but uh you know had another tragic fatality two people died in a crash on highway 126 here in the Benita area um you know and i just you know continuing the usual string of of bad accidents on that highway at the same time the infrastructure bill was stalled in Congress, um, but partly because it's not really focusing on real infrastructure and has no support from most Republicans because of that. Um, you know, and that's what's sad is we really need funding to, to make Highway 126 safer, but we're too busy trying to subsidize electric cars and um do other things with that are, that are not infrastructure by the classical definition of infrastructure in an infrastructure bill. And that's why it was stalled at that time. We also had a conversation with the folks from Timber Unity in July, talked about some of the relief they were planning for the uh, Klamath farmers that were being cut off from irrigation water. If you folks don't remember, it was a pretty dry summer this summer, uh, and we got into some pretty high fire danger and some pretty big fires later in the summer. Um, And uh, we actually got into the uh, fireworks ban, and the board actually decided to ban not only the use of fireworks in Lane County, but the production of fireworks, which I still think we haven't heard the final word on whether we're going to end up um, in legal conflict over that. Um, eventually. Um, And then the board also started moving forward with the idea of banning styrofoam in Lane County and a $15 an hour minimum wage for county employees, which there were only a few that don't get it. And if you add the benefits they get, they were making more than $15 an hour, but that's beside the point. And of course, you know, we had Eugene residents that were protesting a reservoir project on a piece of property that EWEB bought way back in the 50s to put a reservoir on. In fact, when I worked for EWEB, we put up signs around the property just to remind the local residents that it's a future reservoir site back in the late 90s. But when they started to actually build the reservoirs, guess what? (laughs) 
the folks from Eugene started going crazy because they had to cut down some trees so they could have safe, clean drinking water in Eugene. So, and there were some erroneous reports at that time that we were going to go door to door vaccinating people in Lane County, which wasn't true. Um, so I had to quash those rumors uh, and see what else was going on back in July. Well, we did end up passing that that fireworks ban, and uh, you know got some smoke back in the county when it came towards August. Um, you know, asking the taxpayers to pay above normal minimum wage for their county services, and uh, kind of par for the course for early August. And as we ran into um, later in August, um, we started to see the Delta surge. And just like first part of August, we were okay. Middle of August, holy mackerel. <laughs> so we actually passed a non-mandatory resolution asking folks to start masking up again and doing the social distancing and all that stuff because the Delta variant was spreading so quickly in Lane County. And a governor got mad at us for not actually putting enforcement in it. It's like, with what staff, governor, and under what authority? We don't have authority to acquire people to wear masks. I question your authority to do that, governor, under your self-proclaimed emergency powers that are extra constitutional. But um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. But you know, we also had that Middle Forks com complex sparking up, which caused problems in Oak Ridge uh, and was, you know, even causing a few uh, evacuations here and there. And uh, you know, that was kind of what where August was going, Delta's coming up, Fires are getting bad again. Seem to be kind of almost a re, you know, or in this, you know, groundhog day. Fire, COVID, fire, can't seem to get out of it. Back to mask mandates and limitations and all that from the governor. We're still in the mask mandates, by the way. We're the, one of a few states that are, although some of them are coming back with the Omicron. But we never left it. There was no gap between the Delta and the Omicron, like most states got out of it. We were one of four states for a while that still had a mask mandate. And as we moved into September, um, we finalized that fireworks ban, including the, the manufacturing. Um, yeah, the board commended the governor on her actions around COVID. And I voted against that that comment, you know, because just between the lack of science in her metrics, the poor distribution of vaccines, the unconstitutional paragraphs, there's no way you could say that. And then they started talking. The governor started talking about vaccine mandates for healthcare workers and all that. And we talked about the whole idea of coercion. And particularly as the same time she talked about vaccine mandates to, as, a, as a requirement for employment, her, her folks in the executive branch of government started saying, we're not going to approve unemployment for anyone that's let go because they wouldn't get a vaccine. So it's interesting. Um, you know, and at the same time, parents were starting to get mad about vaccine, about school mask mandates um, with, you know, and all that. Um, and uh, it was really a, a problem where the governor's office was basically threatening schools over their funding if they didn't enforce a, back, a mask mandate on, on kids. You know, six-year-olds are supposed to keep a mask on for six hours a day. And, and stay sanitary. So, um, we, you know, Delta continued to surge in September, and 
um, you know, we celebrated the, the, I shouldn't say celebrated, we commemorated the one year anniversary of the um, Holiday Farm fire here in Lane County and the other fires. Um, and we also, you know, had the 9-11 um, memorial that went on. So, you know, the beginning of September just kind of was, started on pretty much a down note. Delta was going wild. Um, and, uh, you know, it just was not, not a good start to, to September. Still having forest fires, you name it. And as we're getting ready to close out the show, and I've only gotten to September, I just realized what time it is. We'll probably have to finish the rest of the year on the next Bo's Nose show. Time flies, literally, as you're going through the There was so much that went on last year. I didn't even get to the redistricting foul-up or the attempted firing of our of our county council or any of the, the, the recent stuff like using executive sessions to make decisions around vaccine mandates for our, our county employees um, and the coercion involved in doing that. But we'll get there on the next show, I'm sure. I did one, you want to chime in one second, Robin? You forgot the also the year of stupidity. And is that fact, I, yeah, in fact, I got one for you. This is actually true. This is the uh, uh, 2021 publication for the IRS on page 78. Did you know that if you steal a car, you have to claim it on your taxes? <laughs> I'm serious, and I'm quoting here, stolen property. If you steal property, you must report its fair market value in your income in the year that you steal it unless you return it to its rightful owner in the same year. But, you know, that's how they got Al Capone. That is true. Because he didn't report his illegal income. Yeah. Not Not for all the crimes and the murders and everything that probably could have been traced to him. It was... Failure to report income. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you steal something, right. be sure to report it. Yeah. Well, we could do a whole show on stupid criminals. <laughs> criminals? Are you talking about the uh, the one that works for the government or are the actual real ones? Oh, uh, the real ones, too. Yeah. I, I always love Bill London when he starts getting into his rules for how not to run away from the police. <laughs> I heard that. His number one rule is do not jump into water. <laughs> Especially when it's 30 degrees outside. Yep, yep. I think somebody learned that just the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Worth the yeah, limit. I, it does seem like it was the year of stupidity, whether it was from government officials or just out public or something like that. I think people are so fatigued with COVID. There's so much fatigue about having to mask up and everything else that it's 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 making people do a lot of stupid things from that former, you know, uh, Playboy bunny, whatever her her claim to fame was that attacked an 80 year old man on the airplane for not pulling his mask up between eating while she had her mask down on her neck. Oh, God. I don't know. Whether she was drunk or high or what, but she lost it on an airplane against an 80-year-old man. Uh, it's like, like uh, uh, I have to look up the article again where this lady got her face slashed by uh, there's a waitress asking somebody to put on their mask coming into the building. And the guy yeah. objected and she got into a fight. I, it's just it amazes me how people just seem to lose it, but you know, losing it on an airplane, you know, you're going to get nailed with federal criminal charges. <laughs> it's like it's the one place you don't misbehave. Yeah. No, they, I don't... If you're bad enough, they will land the plane at the closest airport and they will take you off in handcuffs and you will probably not see daylight for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> You never know, but then again, you're you're giving people credit for being intelligent. Yep, yep. Just seems like COVID is making us more stupid as as the days go on. 
And, and sometimes I think that's the goal of government, you know, is to make us more stupid so we become more dependent on it. But that's about it for the Bo's Nose Show for this week. Maybe we'll get through the rest of 2021 on our next show. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Bo's Nose Show live coming to you from downtown Elmira. Have a great week.